Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Balanced Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm going to keep today's intro pretty short and sweet because I have gotten some mixed reviews about the longer intros. Although when I asked you guys on Instagram, people who listen to the podcast, do you like the longer intros or the shorter intros? About 95% of you said the longer intros. So I'm still going to give my life updates. I'm just going to keep them a little bit shorter because I do have these incredible guests that have so much to say, but I thought that I would take this brief intro to explain a little bit deeper about why I started this podcast so that the people who have left reviews asking why I talk so much during the podcast and don't just let my guests talk is because it's meant to be conversation. So I, I want to share myself with you guys on this podcast. That's why I started it. And I thought in conversation with my friends and people who inspire me and fellow entrepreneurs, fellow bloggers, um, people who I love, people in my family, you can see what a conversation in the life is like. And also, of course, learn from my incredible guests. But this isn't the kind of podcast where I simply interview guests and I keep really quiet and I don't share much because... This The whole purpose for this is to share more with you and to interact more with you and to communicate and connect. So I just wanted to clear that up in case you thought that I was not letting my guests talk enough or not letting them share enough. It's really meant to be conversational. I want them to share. That's why I end every single episode with, we have to have XYZ person back because they have so much to say and an hour long conversation is never enough. So I definitely, um, I love that they're here to share their inspiration with us and to motivate all of us because that's part of the reason why I started it. But also a big part of why I started the podcast is because I like to share with you guys and, and it's a conversation that I'm having with these people. So please don't think that I have a lack of humility or a few of the other things that I've heard um, from the reviews because that is far from it. If I was just interviewing people on a panel or something, I would not be trying to interject and answer my own questions alongside of them. But this is conversational. It's fun. And trust me, by addressing this, I'm not trying to be defensive because I really do appreciate everybody's opinion and constructive criticism is the only thing that's going to help my podcast grow and help my brand grow. So keep the constructive criticism coming. I do appreciate what you all have to say and I am taking it to heart. I'm going to make my intro a little bit shorter today, especially because Jonathan, today's podcast guest, and I talked for a really long time. So this is the longest episode that I've had because we just never ran out of things to say. And actually, 
was with him all day after this and the next day and the next day. So we really truly didn't ever run out of things to say. And that's the definition of someone that you're meant to be very, very close to. So there's that. But um, I think we'll just lead into the episode because you'll also get to hear some fun behind the scenes of when we were setting everything up and um, Hudson was there and it was great. So here we go. Thanks for being here, guys. And do let me know if you like the longer or the shorter intros, short, shorter intros. I, just, I think I just said shorto intros, but maybe that it means that I'm not meant to do short intros <laughs> because I butchered what it's called. But do let me know because I like to hear everybody's opinion and I just want to give you what you want to hear. So let a sister know. Join my Facebook group. Add me on Facebook. And for those of you who added me on Facebook for the last time that I mentioned it, send me a message and tell me that you want to be in the group because I got kind of confused with who requested me to be in the group and who was just requesting me from other stuff. So send me a message if you added me and you're not in the Soul on Fire group yet. It's for the podcast. So you can put your own suggestions in there, your own constructive criticism and all of that. Oh, and to the person who left a review saying that I should consider getting a voice coach, I have one. (laughs) I've had one for a while and this is my voice. I have a very California voice. It's not going anywhere and I don't want it to change. So I will try to stop with the sing-songy if that's what it was that was bothering you, but that's my voice and... I don't think I would even want to change it because that's just who I am in conversation with these people who I love so very much. So thank you, everybody. And here's the episode. Okay, guys. I am so excited about the guest sitting next to me on the couch right now. His name is... Jonathan Albrecht. You probably recognize him from my Instagram, my blog, especially people who followed me during my marathon training process because Jonathan paced me through the whole entire marathon, 26.2 miles, starting at three in the morning, I think is when I picked you up in the Uber. Yeah, 3.30. 3.30 in the morning. We were together until noon. We, we chatted the whole entire time, which I've heard is not typical of running a marathon. I've heard from you because you're my source for all things marathon. But Jonathan is that kind of person. He will pace you through a whole entire marathon, meaning he'll be there for you for the whole entire seven-month training process. He is just the most incredible person. He... I could go on and on about what he does. He's the regional operations manager of Orange Theory Fitness here in Los Angeles. He employs all of his best friends, which is basically my dream. I think it's probably a lot of people's dream to work with all of your best friends. We work together. He finds a way to bring everybody together. And he has this incredible way about him of just bringing people together who should know each other or who are meant to be friends or meant to know each other. And everybody in his life is awesome because he just cultivates awesomeness. He's one of my favorite people in the whole entire world. And we have a lot of things to talk about, basically from his recent travels to Bali, his newfound love of meditation and some kind of breathing that even I haven't heard about until this morning from him and setting his soul on fire. So Jonathan, introduce yourself to the TBB crowd. Tell them a little bit about you. 
Wow. Um, thank you so much for that intro. Man, I don't even know where to begin. Can you help me? Well, so your job, your full-time job is the regional operations manager of Orange Theory. Most of the time people say like, Jonathan is Orange Theory. So what does he even do there? Like, does he own it? Does he, is he just, he's just, he is Orange Theory. A lot of people also think you're a trainer there, which you're not. So why don't you begin by telling us how you got involved with Orange Theory since that is kind sure. of your full-time job. Yeah, it was uh, it was just a serendipitous situation uh, meeting the owner of Orange Theory Fitness Los Angeles. Um, he hadn't opened any studios yet. And we took I took a business meeting with him. Um, not really sure what I was expecting going into the meeting. Kind of had a chip on my shoulder, as he would say. Yeah, uh, because you wanted to open your own studio. Yeah, I was in the I was in the process. Uh, me and my best friend were raising capital to open our own fitness studio, and just you know, his name came up. Ended up taking a meeting. Um, he told me what he was doing. Um, it sounded intriguing at the time, but really didn't want to give up my dream and pursuit in opening and running my own business. Um, and he was quite persuasive in his ways to uh, pull me on board. And you know. I remember vividly him saying, you know, you could open one of your studios, but what happens when you want to open two or three or 10? And he had the experience and know-how. So, um, you know, Paul Marcus, big inspiration for me. And, uh, you know, it's been three years. Uh, We have nine open studios here in LA. Um, We're probably going to open five or six more next year. Uh, And a lot of uh, exciting things that are in the works, so really cool. Well, Jonathan could do anything he sets his mind to because he's one of those people. We were just on the phone with Paul. Jonathan was on the phone with Paul and I hopped in and talked to Paul too. And Paul and I agreed. Jonathan is the most passionate person. He's bursting with passion, full of passion all of the time for everything he does because... In my opinion, Jonathan is one of those people who doesn't waste his time doing things that he's not passionate about. So he fills his time and his life with things that he loves from running. He's a very big part of the electric flight crew in Los Angeles to Orange Theory Fitness, obviously a huge part of his life. People, just the way that you spend your time, you're always happy. You're just like this ball of passion and energy. So that's why I wanted to have you on the Soul on Fire podcast because you've set your soul on fire. So how did you go about setting your soul on fire? Because you were, you told us a bit about, you were thinking about opening your own studio. You met with Paul, this all worked out. Since then you've hired a lot of your really close friends. You recently just had the travels of a lifetime. You're very happy. So how did you do that? How did you set your soul on fire? I mean, that's a great question. I don't think it happens in one day. Um, I think it's an evolution of who you are. And it really comes down to a few decisions that you've made on your own and decisions that you've made that have, uh, you know, not been persuaded by, you know, uh, outside influences like your parents or social constructs. And when you can remove those and, you know, really have a profound life experience that's just yours and nobody else's and do something that's just for you, those moments make who you are. And I left a great job to pursue, uh, you know, working for a company. I worked for Lululemon for a couple of years. Um, at the time, there weren't a lot of uh, men working at Lululemon. There still aren't. Um, there still aren't. But, you know, five years ago, there, there were maybe one or two um, here in L.A. 
but I saw a vision within a company that that was attractive to me and, and the lifestyle and the culture and the people. And I left something that was very safe for something that wasn't. And that was the first like major decision in my life to do something that was for me. And it didn't sit well with my parents. You know, I had a great job working for IBM and I left it for basically $15 an hour, you know, but it was that decision that, you know, led me to seeing something that uh, a side of, of business that I was passionate about. And it doesn't have to be, you know, working for a big company. It doesn't have to be business, business. Like there's business in fitness, there's business in blogging, there's business in everything. So find what you're passionate about and, you know, you can pursue what you're good at and what you're innately born to do within the field that is, is your soul, is your purpose. That's really true. And that's something that we both did. We decided to pursue something that was off the beaten path and alternative compared to what we were doing before. It didn't make a lot of sense to our parents or people who were maybe looking at our paychecks coming in. Because in the beginning, when you start to do something that you're so passionate about, but you don't really have the career formed around it yet, it's not like it's a lucrative thing necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not. I think you're still trying to find your your purpose. But if you just, you know, nothing happened, Rome wasn't built in the day. You know, if you pursue it long enough, eventually it will work out for you. But you got to have that, that, those hard times. I remember sleeping on wood floor without a bed because I was too busy to go to, you know, public storage to get my furniture. Um, you know, the first year of Orange Theory was not a, a lucrative year. The, uh, you know, nine months that JD and I were writing our business plan and pitching capital, um, we were doing what we could to make ends meet during that time. You know, the beginning of your blog, like to think that a, a blogger would rise to the level that you're at now, no one, you know, no one could see that vision. No one back then was like, oh yeah, that's going to end up working out for her you know, monetarily, like, no, it, that didn't exist. Yeah. That is not what I ever thought when I started blogging would ever happen because, well, first I remember the first product that I sent, which was that I got sent was Vega one protein, which I was so excited to be getting for free. Brendan Brazier. Awesome dude. Yeah, exactly. So it's like $50 a tub or something, $60 for a big tub of it. And, um, they asked if they could send it to me and if I would post a picture and I was over the moon. I was like, they're actually going to send me product for free. This is crazy. I started posting about it. I did a giveaway and started working with a few other brands that way. And people started asking me, like my web designer, Morgan, who I think you met at one time, my previous web designer, he started telling me, you know, with the numbers that you have with your new blog, you could totally be charging when you work with brands. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like maybe $40? I could charge them like $40 or something. (laughs) And he's like, no, you could charge a couple hundred dollars. And this was three years ago when blogging was a very new way to market products. So asking for a couple hundred dollars for, I didn't really know what was a high readership or a low readership. I felt really uncomfortable doing that. So it took a while to build up and I was more comfortable at first selling stuff that I created, like the cleanse programs that I created, those were way more lucrative for me in the beginning than working with brands because 
it was just always so easy for brands to say, well, we'll send you free stuff and just post it. And I was like, yeah, I want that. I want those clothes. It was so exciting. But now I work with brands. That's my full-time job. Yeah, you work work with some pretty cool brands. Yeah, now I work with like some of my dream brands. I have... Top three dream brands. Oh, well, Nike. That was a really exciting one. Love working with Nike. What else do I have? I mean, it's been really fun to work with KitchenAid because they have... I mean, as you can see, I have a stack of KitchenAid blenders. That was something I never thought I would A, be getting paid to use. Just I can post anything on Instagram and say that I used KitchenAid and this is like part of my partnership. It's incredible. I use those in YouTube videos. And I mean, being in Self Magazine, that doesn't even count as a brand partnership, but that was like one of the coolest things. Gwyneth Paltrow video for her makeup line. Just it's, it's always endless. And Terry Abbott was there. That's, we sent yeah. you a selfie. I know. <laughs> For those who don't know, Terry is a member at Orange Theory and also a really good friend of ours. I, I think he should be on this podcast because that dude's soul is lit. Yeah. He lives the the most amazing life and he is just, I mean, the most amazing human being. And I would love to hear his story. Yeah, me this. too. He's lost like 200 pounds like since he doing Orange Theory. Um, it was pretty cool to sit there talking to Gwyneth Paltrow and be like, I know Terry Abbott. She's like, how do you know Terry? These are personal security. And we talked about Orange Theory. She was like, nobody is more obsessed with Orange Theory nobody. than Terry. And I had to agree with her. Usually I can I can say, no, actually I'm more obsessed. But that time. Yeah, he no. takes the cake. He does. Yeah. But it's true. It's very true that when you start doing something that you love, it's not going to be lucrative in the beginning. And and same with me right now, because I think it always evolves. You don't want to just do the same thing your whole life and remain stagnant. So now we're starting to teach yoga and meditation. Um, My parents are asking me yet again, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you spending your time making $20 for a class when you could be sitting at home blogging, making a lot more than that? And I have to explain to them, well, first of all, it's not about the money. It's like, I actually love it. It actually sets my soul on fire. I would do it for free for a while. (laughs) Um, But I see long-term, like this yoga stuff is is a huge part of my pre-existing brand. So for me, I see long-term, I see retreats, I see books, I see all sorts of, if we're talking monetarily, very lucrative things happening in the future because of the time that I'm investing now and because I love it. Like I wouldn't throw myself into it if it didn't make me feel so soul on fire-ish and passionate. So yeah, I, it, I mean, it, it's, it helps you with the other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I posted something on my Snapchat a couple of days ago, which I knew would just send people into a tizzy, which it did, but it was my dad. I was interviewing him just like very briefly on Snapchat because he won't come on my podcast. He doesn't know even what a podcast is, but he doesn't want to be interviewed. On my Snapchat, he said something like, there's no money in yoga. Why do you want to be a yoga teacher? And I was like, dad, that's the most closed-minded thing ever. You don't even... Yes, maybe if I taught one yoga class a week, like that wouldn't live up to what monetarily, like you think I should Is that the end goal? No, not at all. It's like enrich your life with everything that yoga has to offer. 
And if you're following something that you're so passionate about it, and I'm a serial entrepreneur kind of person, I'm pretty sure I can work it into my pre-existing business. Yeah. It's not always about the money. And I think the money will come in the long run. And it's an arduous road to get to where you want to be. And if you didn't have the ups and downs, and if you didn't, you know, sleep, sleep on the floor for a couple months and, you know, that startup life or, you know, blogging for $40 in the beginning and working with the one or two brands. Like if it wasn't easy, if it was easy in the beginning, then everyone would be doing it. But it's through the hardship that you've, you know, it it just makes the, the end result that much sweeter. It does. Because now like looking around at what we've both done and what we've both created and being able to support ourselves and take care of ourselves, it's still not about the money, but it's pretty cool to see what we've done and think like, oh my God, I am completely 100% taking care of myself and supporting myself. That's pretty cool. It's something to be proud of. And it's true. It's very true that, I mean, if you're doing something that you don't love and making a lot of money, you're still not going to be happy. But if you find a way to create a career out of something that you do love, you're going to be very, very happy. I agree. So speaking of all of this stuff, you left a great job at IBM to pursue something completely different. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was a that was a big move for me. Uh, I worked for Lululemon for a couple of years. Um, during that time, um, I saw the boutique fitness scene in LA. I think I went to every single fitness studio in all of Los Angeles. I believe that. And, uh, you know, me and my best friend, uh, JD, we were like, dude, we could do this. Like we could open our own studio. So we did extensive research. We wrote a business plan, you know, six to eight months work, worth of work um, put into our, a business that we grew extremely passionate about and were very excited to share with people. And uh, we were in the process of raising capital. We were, you know, very close to hitting our, our goal. And then Paul came along. You know, it uh, was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. And, uh, you know, being able to run this region, like you said, I get to hire who I want. And JD was one of, you know, my first big hires. Uh, and, you know, I've always seen him as an equal and as a business partner. So when you say like, you asked me in private, like, how do you, you know, if, if you're the, if you're the boss, how do you manage your friends? Um, and it doesn't, doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, um, it was great. I got to hire, I got to hire him. I got to hire uh, my best friend Drew, um, who's one of our, our, you know, our great coaches at the West Hollywood Studio. Uh, my friend Josh, who is one of our managers as well, and they're just people I, I trust. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. And um, listening to some of your other podcasts, it comes down to, you know, bringing people in your organization that you trust, because like if everything that you do is like photography and making sure that you know you're representing your image well you know, you're putting a lot of trust into somebody else if they're doing it for you. That's why I think it's so hard for you to give things up. Yeah, it is. That's really good advice because I did ask Jonathan in private before we started this, how are you the boss of your best friends and you're still best friends and it works out and it's all great because it's so hard to delegate when you love something so much and it's something that you're so passionate about. It sets your soul on fire. How do you delegate to people and maintain friendships because kind of like keeping friends in the workspace is very hard because I just, I'm like a friend collector. Like everybody who's ever worked for me has become 
either like a sister or a best friend or both. And then it's hard. It's hard because then how do you continue saying like, hey, so can you go wash my car or stuff like that? Because you don't want to ask that of your friends, but it it always starts as a job. So kind of finding that fine line between, but like I listen to you on the phone all the time with your friends slash your employees. And it's just like, a conversation. It's not even work or personal life. It's just Jonathan. Like you have this way about you. The thing, the other thing about Jonathan is that he's always like, I've never seen you upset. You're always calm. Even when things are stressful, or even when I hear you talking about like a dramatic situation at work, you are not dramatic. You're just like, these are the facts. Oh, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I could have done that, but that's the facts and it's all fine. And that's the definition of success, but also just a soul on fire person, in my opinion. You don't get caught up in the drama, which is very nice. So I think that probably helps when you're managing your friends and trying to navigate all of this. I mean, I'm very cynical when it comes to like, uh, you know, drama. Um, It just doesn't make sense to me. I see everything as like fact or feeling. So, you know, from a business standpoint, how can we remove as much feeling out of this equation as possible? And how could we just focus on the facts? So, you know, someone doesn't do something that they're supposed to do and, you know, they get all upset and like all this stuff happens. Like, but what are the facts of the situation? The facts are that this happened. You know, what could we do to correct it? And I think that if you're always coming from the mindset of, you know, situations happen and you're going to learn from them or you're not. But there's no such thing as a bad situation to me. Like some of the most profound, like meaningful, soul searching situations in my life have come out of the the turmoil, have come out of the like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And like, look at the repercussions, like look at that ripple effect. And you can just like wallow in it and just, you know, let it really affect who you are negatively. Or you could say, wow that was a great learning experience. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. Like, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, shine it off that it's not anything. Like, take it for what it is. Learn from it. Grow from it. Have the indicators in your life, the good indicators and the bad indicators that will trigger when that situation like that comes up again. Like, up indicator, like maybe don't do it that way. Or up indicator, maybe do it differently. And just learn and grow. and you know, to me that I think has shaped a lot of who I am. I'm a student above anything else. And I'm always interested in learning more and uh, bettering myself. And I think that that contributes a lot to, you know, my success and my relationships and my friendships and the people that I work with. Yeah, that is such good advice. And I could take a major page out of that book because I'm a very emotional person, as you know. So I get caught up and not in drama per se, because I too have a different outlook on drama where I just try to remove myself from those situations and try really hard to surround myself with people who aren't going to create that type of negative energy. But I get caught up emotionally in things that should just be work or should just be viewed as what are the facts here? My feelings immediately get sucked into that. So that's really good advice. And I imagine for a lot of people listening, 
that's just something that we could all do. Just take the facts of the situation, move forward. With Of all the time I've spent with Jonathan for the last, how many years? Two, three years. Two or three years, which is a lot of time that we do spend together. I have literally never seen him be mad at somebody. I mean, maybe I've said like, ah, I wish they did this differently. Well, yeah, you're a normal human. human. You're not like one of those overly positive people who actually really freak me out because it seems really inauthentic. You're you're genuine and authentic. You get annoyed with people just like yeah. just like anything else. But um, there goes Hudson knocking a glass <laughs> off of the table trying and to get like, our attention. Oh, God, he's going to knock it. I know, I know, but he didn't break it, luckily. So... That brings me to, why don't you tell the people listening how we met each other? It's a pretty good story. It's a great story. So we had just opened the Brentwood location. Uh, I was very new to it and I was doing everything. So Paul was managing and kind of uh, figuring out we're, you know, dealing with uh, SBA loans and finance and the West Hollywood lease. And it was just me. It was me and everything that was going on. I was overseeing our marketing. I was overseeing social media. I was helping manage the studio uh, operations internally. There's a lot going on. I wore a lot of hats in the beginning years of uh, our, our growth. But any single email that came in, I was, I was taking meetings. And if I could give any of the listeners advice, it's take any meeting. Um, there was a meeting in Santa Barbara, and I lived in Los Angeles that I took, and it changed my life. I didn't have any intentions of moving to Santa Barbara, but like, you never know what you're going to learn from somebody. Anyways, I got, uh, I got this invitation or email. I think it was from like Alexi, your friend Alexi. Was it from, no, it was from me. It was from you, but like Alexi told you. Oh, Alexi told me about Orange Theory. Yeah. And she said, there's this great fitness studio in Brentwood. I can't believe you haven't tried it. You'd love it. It's high intensity interval training. You have to try it. Oh, invite them to your app launch party. So so this is really funny. I get this email. It's, uh, you know, come to my app launch party. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a fitness nutrition blogger and I'm like, okay. Like it was at a gym. I'm wearing an Orange Theory t-shirt. I'm wearing like probably like, you know, uh, basketball shorts, you know, uh, some Lululemon shorts. Orange Theory uh, hat. Orange Theory hat, Orange Theory trucker hat. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, some Nikes. Everybody that was there was dressed to the to the knot, just like dresses and hair done. And like guys were like, looked like they came out of, um, you know, the Century City, like private, uh, you know, investment, uh, you know, firms that are, are local to where the gym was located. I'm the only one I stuck out like a sore thumb and I didn't know who Jordan was. So <laughs> I'm literally having conversations with like a million different people thinking like, Hey, so are are you Jordan? Oh, no, no. Okay. Do you know where she is? No, I don't know where she is. I think I met like 50, 60 people before actually meeting you. And then, um, and then we got to meet, I think we had a great conversation. It was with your parents yes, um, and your niece, I think yeah, at the time. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and then we took a group photo, which we, we took a lot of group photos, which we still talk when about. When the hashtag Jonathan and the ladies was born. So uh, we didn't know Jonathan. I mean, he came, I invited a lot of different local fitness studios. I just was sending the invitations. Hey, if you guys have trainers who want to come or owners who want to come, anybody should come. And Jonathan came. Well, first I got the email back from you being like, I'll be there. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is, he must, you know, I don't know if he owns Orange Theory. I don't know if he's a trainer. I He might be the manager. So Jonathan comes, he's in all of his Orange Theory clothes. And this app launch party, it was 
quite the party. There was a lot of people there. To this day, it's Dude. the biggest party I've ever thrown. And for, Focus, Focus TV was there. Yeah, like, it was the whole... I spent the whole entire season planning it. It was like all the different vendors and sponsors. There was a huge step and repeat. And a lot of people came. Like my whole entire family was there. All of my friends, lots of people in the industry. So all of a sudden, it's this huge thing. I... Couldn't I mean it was one of those things where you're just hosting and you're everywhere and you don't really get to have long conversations with anybody. It's a lot of like, hey, how are you? Oh my god, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. I have to go over there. Oh, I haven't had anything to drink yet. I'm gonna run to the bar. I never once made it to the bar that night, which was probably a really good thing. But everybody, every single person from my mom to my at the time, my 11-year-old niece, my sister, all of my best friends, they're like, did you meet Jonathan from Orange Theory? He's awesome. And throughout the night, I'm like, I haven't met him. I need I need to meet him. Where is he? It was so nice of him to come. And everyone's raving about Jonathan. I, I remember actually like the first time I saw you that night and met you, you were talking to my sister. You were having a massive conversation about Drenched, the fitness studio in Calabasas. Great studio. And... Just this major conversation. My sister was like, I love this guy. We have to go to Orange Theory. Maybe I'll leave drenched and go to Orange Theory. This place sounds amazing. And you said something to her that night that she still remembers and repeats because she loved that you said this, which was, she told you, I would love to try Orange Theory, but I'm very loyal to drenched, very loyal to the owners. I've been going there for years. And you're like, Awesome. You should be loyal to Drenched. I love that. That's our philosophy at Orange Theory too. Like loyalty, friendship, your community, all that stuff. Like no pressure to come to Orange Theory. No big deal. And ever since then, I mean, she references this all the time. Like that was the best thing anybody could have said because to be pushy and be like, well, leave that studio you've been going to for all these years and do this similar workout People don't respond well to that. But because Jonathan wasn't pushy at all, was just himself like he is in every situation, she fell in love with Orange Theory. Loves it to this day. And I mean, she likes Drenched too, but like- Drenched is great. Yeah. I think Jennifer Kensington is the owner and she's an awesome female inspirational entrepreneur. She has, I think, two or three studios now. Couldn't yeah. say the nicest things about Oh, her. for sure. But that's the thing. It's like, it's not about competition. Just like- the blogging community, it's the same thing when people tell me like, oh, I read XYZ blog religiously, like, but I want to check out yours. I'm always like, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's better for everybody in the blogging industry if people have blogs that they love and then they'll add another blog to their list, just like fitness studios, the more the merrier really, which is such a good outlook, which is what you had. So we met that night, Jonathan and I, and he took pictures with all. I had a bunch of girls from Alpha Phi, my sorority, because I it was had, like it was like a sorority like yeah, overload. Every girl from Alpha Phi that it was, was still in college came because I had just graduated like a year and a half before that. So I reached out to my whole sorority. I was like, "Hey, I need help. Can you guys come work this party? Can you just like work at all the booths?" Escort people in, sign people in, all that stuff. So tons of them came, probably like 60. Jonathan has pictures with all of them. They were all on their TBV shirts and it was a blast. So the whole funny thing of the night was like, I didn't even know Jonathan coming into the night. I didn't have time to talk to anybody for a long period of time, but my whole family fell in love with Jonathan. All my friends fell in love with Jonathan and 
they still love him. So right after that, he was like, okay, now come, come try orange theory. So I'm a creature of habit, very much a creature of routine. And I was like, I, I read the situation too. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, I was very delicate because yeah, I knew this orange theory can be very intimidating for a lot of people. So I was like, listen, when, when's a good time? Like it was very, very gentle. Oh, it was very <laughs> gentle. But in my head, I'm like, this guy came to my app launch party. He stayed all night. He befriended everyone in my life. Like I obviously have to go try orange theory. I'm not just going to be like, no, I remember sorry, your bye. first class too. We took it together. Yeah, we took it together. We were sprinting on the treadmill so side nervous. by side. I was so nervous because I wasn't like a runner. I mean, I, it's so orange theory for people who don't know is a high intensity interval training. So it's usually 30 minutes of treadmill, which is base, push, all out pace, which is nice because you can go at your own pace. You can choose like what your push pace is. Um, but it's a lot of running and it's intervals. So you're going like sprinting, walking, sprinting, running, that kind of thing. And then there's weights and there's a rowing machine. So those are all workouts that I was not actively doing at that time. But I'm like, yeah, I'll try it, of course. <laughs> and we go and I fell in love with it. I mean, it was hard. 30 minutes cardio, 30 minutes strength training. You're going at your own pace. You wear a heart rate monitor. Everything is, you could be 18 or 80. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going at their own level. So it's, um, you know, it's great full body workout. And yeah, that's pretty much it in a yeah. nutshell. And I am not competitive with anybody else. Trust me at all. I don't even look around during the class. And just myself, I watch him and I, of course, tried to stay in the red zone a lot of the times, but I didn't even have to try in the beginning because it was just such a different workout for me. But I fell in love with it. Started coming five days a week, like right after that. By the way, that's a lot. I know. Then I scaled back. So it was like three, four or five times a week. And I did that for a long time. Well, this is, you know, I guess it's a great topic that we were talking about. And, and that's like, what is the balance and what is it that you're doing for your fitness in your life that, that makes you happy? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are, you know, um, are almost dumbfounded to, to find when I will talk to them that like, if they're passionate about Pilates and if they're passionate about yoga and they come and take an Orange Theory class, and, you know, they're like, hey, I want to, you know, do this two, three times a week. And I'm like, but you just told me you were passionate about Pilates and yoga. Like, we're not afraid to say, like, go do what you're passionate about. Maybe just once a week is right for you. Like, and to your other point, no, no one invented fitness. You know, the whole competition factor, you know, fitness has been around for thousands of years. We're all doing it. We're just doing it slightly different. Um, and with blogging, no one invented writing. Like everybody has been writing for tens of thousands of years, maybe 10,000 years. No one invented it. You know, no one invented, uh, you know, like in the blogging world, there shouldn't be competition. There shouldn't be competition in anything. You shouldn't see it, see them as your competition. You should see them as your counterpart and your community. And the stronger you are as a, as a unit, um, the, the more successful you're going to be as an individual. And I think that's a, a common misconception with a lot of, maybe blogging, but uh, definitely in the boutique fitness For community. Sure. I know it's true. And this is something we were talking about. We were just at breakfast with our friend Kelly, whoever has listened to episode three with Kelly Levesque, episode three or four, somewhere around there. We were with Kelly. All of us are really good friends. We were talking about the fact that all three of us lately have, well, we've been very into yoga 
And that's not just a lately thing. Yoga is a way of life and it's incredible. Um, But me personally, I just, I've found that scaling back with the workouts and doing a lot more low intensity, just moving my body, lots of stretching, lots of flows with yoga and just a little bit of high intensity is serving me so well. Like my whole entire aura is like more grounded, lower to the earth. And that's what I needed because for a while, my life felt like very out of control. So doing everything really high intensity was just like this massive high intensity wavelength. I wasn't sleeping very well. And it's really just a mindset. So I'm comfortable with the fact that my fitness routine is always going to evolve. I know I want to run more marathons in the future. I know there's a lot of things that I want to do, but I'm very comfortable with the fact that right now, yoga is where it's at. Some short runs, four mile run is long for me right now, which is awesome. Like it's nice to switch it up. So I remember when four miles to you was like easy. And you go through different stages. Like Mm -hmm. I was just sharing with you, I went for a 10-mile run on Monday and I felt great. And um, I remember when running 10 miles felt like there's no way ever that I could do that. And it's just cool to see like uh, how your body can view different situations at different points in your life. Yeah, it's so cool. And for people listening who don't already know this, if if you didn't already gather this from the fact that Jonathan paced me for the LA Marathon, Jonathan is a runner. He's a very talented runner. He has run a 50K, at least 50K, one. yeah. Yeah. Is that an ultra marathon? It is, yeah. Yes. Tell people about that. That is like the ultimate soul on fire moment. And you decided it on a whim, didn't you? That was one of my first soul oh, wait, on fire what's the, moments. What's the phrase Ted that you McDonald. have? The Ted McDonald Ted McDonald handshake. handshake. Yes. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, like there's some, uh, piv- like these, some, you know, pivotal moments in your life that change who you are and they're decisions that you made like on your own. One of them, I mean, I was influenced, but you know, going, I was influenced to sign up, but the training process and everything was very much something that I did on my own. Um, I was at a birthday party, uh, for Lizzie Brinkus, who is a good friend. And, uh, we were at Malibu wines and I arrived. I'll never forget this. It was right when I arrived, there's just a circle of people. And the person I sat next, uh, sat down next to was Ted McDonald. Um, he owns Malibu yoga in Malibu. Great yoga instructor, good friend, also runner. Um, he's like, Jonathan, what's up? And I'm like, you know, not much. Uh, you know, he's like, what races do you have, you know, coming up? I think it was like August and uh, the Malibu 50K was in November. And he's like, what races do you have coming up? And I'm like, well, I'm doing LA in next February and like maybe one or two halves in between. And he's like, dude, I just signed up for my first 50K. It's in Malibu and uh, you should totally do it with me. Like, have you ever thought about doing a 50K? And I was like, yeah, I've thought about it. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, it's definitely on my goal board. Like, I'd love to do it. Um, And he goes, you should totally do it with me. And I was like, yeah, like, for sure. And I didn't say that, like, with an actual intention of doing it. It's just like, hey, you should, you know, go skydiving one day. It's like, oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And uh, he stands up in the circle And in front of everybody, he goes, hey, guys, Jonathan just said he's going to do the Malibu 50K with me. And he goes, Jonathan, you on board? And he sticks his hand out 
<laughs> and like everybody's conversations like stopped and everybody's looking at me and I'm in this, like you can't not shake the dude's hand. Right. So I shake his hand. He's like, congratulations. Like, this is going to be awesome. Everyone's like, oh, good for you. And like the first thing I thought was I didn't even have a drink yet. I haven't even been here for five minutes. And here I am like, and I just committed to doing a, an ultra marathon. But it was one of the best moments that I remember because the training process was vigorous. It's, you know, three to six hour runs uh, on the weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. So you're doing just an extensive amount of running, you know, lots of time to, you know, with yourself, um, which was a good, good for me in the, the place that I was at in my life at the time, just to be deep in thought for that many hours uh, on the weekends. But I called it the Ted McDonald handshake and I actually tried it out on a few people. On me. Got you to do LA Marathon. Yes. I've gotten a few people Kelly. out of the, the Ted, Kelly, for, mm-hmm. yeah, Kelly uh, my good friend Cecily to do LA Marathon. But uh, it's very effective uh, if you do it the right way. Seriously. But uh, yeah, that was uh, one of those moments in my life that was was huge. Doing the race itself was probably one of the most strenuous things I've ever done. And I kind of realized after that I didn't do it the right way. And it's just kind of like you learn as you go. Like you're never going to hit a home run in you know, the very first uh, you know, day in the major leagues. For, for me, I was like, okay, I could have do, done a couple of things differently. It took me maybe a year to get my body back to where I wanted it to be. But, you know, I'm finally in a place now. And this was maybe three or four years ago I did it. I'm finally in a place where I'm going to do another one. Um, when? So uh, it's either in June or July. It's Mount Hood. Uh, it's a 50-miler, so it's a lot longer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where is um, Mount Hood? Mount Hood is in Oregon. Um, it's just beautiful, totally beautiful trails. I'm going to come cheer you on. I mean, that'd be great. Oh, for sure. I'll run some miles with you. Sweet. I'll hop in. Yeah. Like Alexi did with us in the marathon. I love it. But that like, and and I would say p- pulling the trigger. So the first time I did LA Marathon, like I'd ran a 10K, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm just going to sign up for this thing. And then like everything falls in place once you make the decision to do something. For example, like you in the podcast, you're like, I'm going to do this. And then like, once you say that you're going to do it and you're, you commit to it, then everything else kind of falls into place. You don't have to be in the right training program. You don't have to have any experience really. Like when I first signed up for uh, my first Ironman competition, like I had never swam really like other than in a pool. And like, here I am doing like a very strenuous, you know, triathlon. You just got to pull the trigger sometimes. And I think those are the big decisions that changed my life. It was pulling the trigger to get into business with JD and open our own studio, pulling the trigger on orange therapy, which everyone called it for the first six months because <laughs> nobody knew what it was back when we got involved. Right. You know? That's so um, funny. And now it's kind of like a household name. So, yeah. Um, you know, pulling the trigger on those things that will will shape your life, I think was, uh, you know, definitely contributed to the person that I am today, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's that is so crazy. So anybody listening, if you ever want to get someone to do something that they wouldn't otherwise say yes to, Ted McDonald them. <laughs> Basically just sabotage them in a large group in front of a lot of people and uh, put them on the spot. Yeah. Uh, make them shake your hand. Make them shake Eye your contact. hand. Eye contact. Do it in a strategic way. Make it seem subtle. Yes. 
Yeah. And people will follow through. There's no way that you can't not follow through except for with the marathon after Jonathan Ted McDonald me. It was, oh my God, I think it was like a whole team of people that had to follow through with me on the daily to make sure I was going to run that marathon because there were so many times that I told myself, oh, I don't know if I've been training hard enough or... I don't know if I have time to keep training this hard. And it was Jimmy Dean Freeman, who I also met via Orange Theory, who'd be like every once in a while, you're still running this marathon, right? Like you have no choice. You're running this marathon. And I'd be like, yeah, of course. I would never think not to after I've been training. But in my head, I'm thinking like, yes, I have no idea if I'm running this marathon. For for anyone who's never ran like a race, um, some good pointers. One, you're always going to overtrain for your first one. I, think I that, didn't overtrain. Yeah, a lot of people do though. They're, I mean, I trained for a long time because I was on the Nutribullet team, but I did not overtrain because I I undertrained. Like I'm lucky that I finished But you that. saying you undertrained, you probably trained the right amount. You're right. Because if I hadn't been on a team with coaches and if I hadn't have had you pacing me and running other races leading up to it with me and pacing me... Yeah, no, I wouldn't have trained that hard. You're right. And I think the other thing is like the the marathon, like actually doing the race is not even one-tenth of the value that you get as a human being from then committing to the training and doing totally. the training. It's so true. It's so true. It's hard to commit to training now. Like it's good that you say when you talk about your um, experience dedicating yourself to the 50K or agreeing to do the 50K because um, on the 4th of July, when we were drinking, I was drinking heavily and we all decided to run the Big Sur Half Marathon, which turned out to be a Monterey Half Marathon, which I'm still confused about because Monterey and Big Sur are not the same I think they uh, the Big Sur sold the the race rights to the Monterey, but they haven't changed it yet. Big Sur is such a different place than Monterey. Whatever. We <laughs> either way we went to Monterey. Well, I didn't train at all because this is when I was diving into my 500 hour training for yoga and basically with every passing week was telling myself like it's too late to start training, like oh I could start training. Oh, I shouldn't even start training and, and then I just never trained for this half marathon so I didn't run it. But I committed myself. I did the handshake and everything when I was drinking. So you have to also pick the right time. And everybody else other than Alexia and Hannah, who we had convinced to run the half marathon that day, decided not to do it. So maybe don't convince people to do things when they're drinking because it doesn't always work. Unless you're like us, because we'll do it anyway. I think also you just were listening to your body. And I think a lot of people don't do that. That's true. Um, You know, there are days when I know I need to go out and do, you know, 13 miles or 15 miles and, and I don't, mm-hmm. um, because my body is saying no. Um, yeah. You have to listen to your body. Cause the thing with me was I could have pushed myself to train for that half marathon in the clutch, like in the last three weeks. And you could have done it. I know you, you would have been fine, but you listen to your body. Yeah. And, and it was for the best because I had such a week when we got back of yoga training. And if I had been like so tired or whatever, injured. No, I mean, I probably wouldn't have injured myself. Who knows? I could have been. I was just listening to my body. It just felt right. And it was hard to explain to people, especially we were with our friends and a lot. And Alexi was like, of course you can run this. I'm like, I know I can. I just... Especially with all the influence that was coming your way, because we all were like, come on, just do it. I know you can. Yeah. Um, You know, you, at the end of the day, didn't fall. And, And you were like, no. 
Like, I'm going to do what's right for me. I'm going to enjoy this trip. And I think we had an amazing time. Yeah, it was so um, fun. And it didn't matter. Like I got to you, drive your car back yeah, because was, I was the only person who didn't <laughs> run. Jonathan fell asleep. I was like, oh, Jordan, come on. Just, there's like an hour and a half left. And we saw the most beautiful super moon I've ever seen yeah, out the nice. window when we were in like, what's that area? Paso Robles. We looked out the window. There was the most beautiful super moon. It was like bright pink, huge in the sky. And so, obviously we're trying to take photos of the moon, but there's no camera on earth that could... Yeah. Unless those super cameras, but like... I know. Yeah. It didn't work. It didn't work. It just looked like we, a big, big white circle in my head. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But we, we had so much fun on that trip. And yeah, it was awesome. Well, because for me, I was having no communication with anybody because it was... Not only did I not have my phone, I wasn't seeing anybody because it was this Panchakarma detox that was part of it. That's what I've been thinking a lot about because... Why, I don't know, why waste time to have all of those fears and all those anxieties and worries? And I'm such an anxious person, such a like tightly wound anxious about the things that really matter to me. So things like that. And like, I want to have a lot of kids. And when is that going to happen? And what are their names going to be? And are they going to be healthy? And where am I going to live? And all this, that kind of stuff that I personally obsess about. If I, my 45 or 50 year old self could look back and meet me today, I would say, move forward fearlessly. Don't have any doubts. Everything's going to happen the way that it's meant to happen. So slow down, enjoy life, take a look around, spend an entire Friday with your closest friends instead of holding yourself up and writing 10 blog posts and editing podcasts and answering emails and coming out of the day feeling like so exhausted and dead. Like, do things that recharge you and inspire you because life is about enjoying, opening your eyes, being present with the people that you're spending time with, surrounding yourself with people who inspire you. That's what life is all about. So that's what I would tell myself. I would also tell myself to spend a lot of time cuddling Hudson because look how freaking cute he is. He's Dude. perfect. And just have fun. Keep doing things that that set your soul on fire. Write a lot of books read a ton of books, things that like, yes, I obviously want to do them. They're huge goals of mine to write a lot of books. And obviously I love to read, but like actually do it, like spend the time because we're worthy of our time. Like you were saying earlier, you didn't even, you didn't think that you were deserving of having free time or you said something like that. Like we're so deserving of spending our time however we want to, however we're meant to. So that would be a bit of it. Um, and then I would just hope, see, as I was telling you before, like all the questions of like, do I want to live in Northern California? Am I going to live in Brentwood forever? Like I love both ideas. So I would probably say at the age of 50, like just stop obsessing about it because one thing or another is going to happen and either one's going to be great. Yeah. You could live anywhere. I know, anywhere. When you said that, you I think it was on the last podcast you did, you're like, yeah, I could, my job, I could do it from anywhere. It's like, and I was thinking like, then why is she thinking so small? Like, no, to me, Sacramento's small. Like, you could live in Paris. I would You could live in New that. Zealand. I know. and You could do, you could live anywhere. And I'm open to all of that. I love the idea of just life being such an adventure. So I'm definitely open to it. I just would have to, an opportunity would have to present itself. Because I've lived in New York and that was amazing. 
And then moving back to LA, like I've found I'm actually like a smaller town person as much as I love cities and like the adventure. And I'm considering LA to be like a lot smaller than New York. Well, for Brentwood's those who don't super know, super residential. Yeah, Brentwood is like it's a pin drop of like suburbia in LA. And there's few places that are like Brentwood. Yeah. I and I like that. I like to have a home base because I had like my crazy adventure time in New York. And then I moved back and I spent the whole next year traveling. So I didn't really have a home base. And that started to make me kind of unhappy. So now that I've created this home where when I come back to LA and I come back to my one bedroom apartment and I have my cat and everything is here in Brentwood, so many good friends, the all the yoga studios, Orange Theory, Whole Foods, all my daily stuff. Alfred. Yeah, Alfred, of course. I just feel so happy. So that's what makes me think, am I a small town person? Maybe. I'm sure there's small towns in Paris. <laughs> small pockets of Paris. If that's where you want to go. No, yeah. I know. So, okay. So you tell me what would your 50-year-old self say if he were meeting if he were meeting you today? Man, I should have anticipated that you were going to throw that right back at it's me. It's a hard question um, to answer. I'd say slow down. Um, That's a theme. It's a yeah. good theme. And spend as much time with your family as you possibly can because you never know what's going to happen. I'm just going to stick with those two. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything like grandiose speech like I gave myself. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's good. I would add the family thing in there too. But we both already do that. Yeah. I put all my my, uh, my goals for 2017 to... to see my niece more. I don't see yeah, as much as she's I, so like, cute. How old is she now? Like nine she's, months? Yeah, she's, I think, eight months now. That's so cool. I remember when we were running the half marathon in Ojai, she was born right after that. Yeah. So was she born in like March? Yeah, March 25th. Oh, that's a good day. That's yeah. Jordan Dorso's birthday, my friend Jordan. Sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we wrap this up, Just a couple more fun questions for Jonathan, because why not? What are your top three emojis? Because we're both emoji people. I want to know. The the monkey with the tail, like the full (laughs) body monkey. Yes, that that is you in an emoji for sure. I just throw him in every single Snapchat I I have just because... Because he's cute. He's cute. He makes me me laugh. And then I would say the, the prayer hands... Like the the two hands, like from oh, yeah. orange is the new black, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. like the picture perfect hands. Kind sure, of thing. yeah. Like to me, when I send that, it's like, you know, yeah. Can I cuss on here? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah like, that is what it you is. You know, like yeah, like you killed it. You did it right. Um, and then uh, I would say the, uh, I mean, just the uh, the blushing happy face. But you know, well, they changed it. They changed my favorite emoji. Which was like the the smiley face with the, the grimy teeth teeth who the straight like, across the straight line across of teeth. teeth who I could do I do the face really well he like, does it perfectly <laughs> but, I wish you guys could see his face he's doing it perfectly you know the emoji it's I call it they like cha- they updated it and now he's like kind of happy I know but I haven't updated my phone yet so I still okay. have him but he's like the ambivalent like the hesitant like yeah I like that yeah I like that too. And that's when like someone will be like, hey, should we do this? 
Like instead of saying like, no, it's a, that's a terrible idea. Like you can just do I could just send emoji. that send that emoji and be like, well, what if we did things? What if we didn't do that? <laughs> yes, I know. I think everybody likes that emoji. That one's good. And also, Jonathan, he didn't mention this one, but I know he likes the emoji of the guy with, with his hands under his chin, where there's like little. I think it's like thought streaks coming out of his head. He's yeah, thinking. it's like the good idea. Yeah, like the student in the library who put his head down on yeah, his book and had a good thinking. idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's Jonathan in an emoji. He likes the good, a good thing about Jonathan, if you're ever going to group text with him, is he will always name the group, which is great. It's I don't even important. know how to do that. Yeah. So you always put yourself as the guy with the, with the thinking cap. If, if the name of the, the group is with emojis sometimes. That's true. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. But knowing me, I'll probably throw one in yeah, there. Yeah, there's always emojis. Yeah. So... One last question for you, Jonathan. So it's almost 2017. By the time this comes out, it will be 2017. So uh, for people listening who are trying to make some health goals for themselves or just set some personal life goals for the new year, what would be your advice for coming up with tailored to each person life goals? Make them realistic. You know, make them behavioral changes and not like tangible, uh, I'm not going to eat this or I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. I've done that so many times where it's like, I'm never going to do this ever again, starting in 2017. And like, that's not realistic. Like I'm pretty strong-willed and I could tell you that you're always going to fail. And when you fail, then you feel defeated. And then it like turns into a cycle that you're not good enough. And all these emotions will probably come up that you could avoid by just being more realistic with your goals. So set realistic goals do you like in the truest form, just do what makes you happy. You know, don't, don't set goals for anybody else. Don't set goals for what you think you should be doing. Find what makes you happy and make those your goals. And then nutrition wise, cause I know that that's something you speak a lot about. For me, I need a cheat day. Like I just need it. Cheat days are awesome. Uh, and for me, I can eat healthy six days out of the week and just have a a really bad cheat day on Sunday. And that's how I, that's how I live a balanced life, but find balance in your nutrition. When you eat so clean, um, all the time, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to potentially, you know, have a crazy relapse where, you know, all that hard work that you did go is negated by the fact that you, you know, um, ended up just hitting this mental wall and you go crazy. And then you, do something that you shouldn't do. So with all in respect to uh, your nutrition. So, you know, set realistic goals, find nutritional plan or a diet. Uh, I hate that word, but like a routine of a, a food regimen that that works well for you and how you function. I say study what you eat. I know that like when I eat bell peppers, like I feel really good. Like Really? Yeah. Like, no, I'm just, Oh yeah. No, no. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't like bell peppers. I, I didn't thing. know that. No, you, Onions. I did know you that. You know that I don't like I, onions and bell peppers. I, that, yes. Um, <laughs> now you know. Now I, I, I did. I forgot. For example, there are certain foods, whatever. I was just using that as an example. There are certain foods that make my body feel really good. There are certain foods that really take me out. Like what? Um, certain foods that take me out. Yeah. Like fried foods take me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love them every once in a while and I'll eat them. Um, what, what else takes me out? Uh, Is there anything like surprising that doesn't, that doesn't mesh well with you? 
No, like surprise, God. So it's mostly just like unhealthy food, fried food. Unhealthy foods really throw me off because I just really enjoy eating like good ingredients. Mm -hmm. So like I could eat something that's bad for you, but it's got really good ingredients in it and I don't, and it doesn't really mess with exactly. me. Um, but when, you know, I do eat, uh, you know, foods that um, aren't as clean, they tend to just throw my, 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 my mindset off, my emotions off and, yeah, I, I wish I could be more specific. No, that's good. That's very yeah. specific. That That's great. Yeah, I agree with that. I think when it comes to making goals for the new year, being realistic is huge. because, And that's actually another one of my goals for the new year. Not to be realistic, but to be, to I'm phrasing it as to not bite off more than I can chew. So I'm the kind of person who sets huge goals, like a lot of them stacking the huge goals on top of each other. And it's kind of impossible to finish everything. And so even if you check some of your goals off the list and have these amazing accomplishments of 2016, you look back and think, but I wanted to write another book and I didn't or something like that. So I'm trying really hard to not bite off more than I can chew because setting like one goal at a time would be awesome. And, and then actually doing it, like pursue it, do it, finish it. And I heard a quote recently, maybe this, okay, maybe this is actually like the best advice of 2017. Where did this quote come from? I was researching quotes for this inspiration wall that I made in my parents' office in Sacramento. They already took it down, but I put it up there and I brought the quotes back with me. And it was something like finishing something is better than doing something great or something like that. And that speaks to me. That speaks to my soul and like everything I'm about because for a while there, I'm such a perfectionist. I wasn't finishing anything. And there's no worse feeling than not finishing what you've started. And when it comes to one of my greatest accomplishments thus far, both personally and professionally, my book, I think about my book and think, yeah, I could have spent more time on that. And it could have been better. Like, I think every writer says that about their books, but I know my book could have been better, a lot better. But I finished it and it's published and it's in the world and that, and it's what it is. And it's great for that. So finishing stuff feels awesome. I think to that, to that point too, is that even in a, uh, your daily like tasks of this is what I need to get accomplished today. I think we put too many things yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you put eight things down and you only get six done, then you like, first of all, you put eight things down for the next day. So now you have 10 things for the next day and it's a terrible cycle to get into. And, and I've done it. I found that if I could do less things in a day, even if it's six or five and I get all of them done, if you track that over the course of a week or a month, you're going to get more stuff done and yeah. be more effective. So doing less in a day, like you said, like having less goals and completing them all too. Yeah. Actually finishing stuff is awesome. And it's true. I read one time that each day you should have this thing called a rolling nine, which are like the nine things that you do that day, but you include everything. Like you even include the fun stuff, like yoga would be one. Making breakfast is one. Um, having dinner with a friend is one. So then you have six things left that are work-oriented, like 40 minutes of emails, um, whatever, whatever those might be. And I find that when I actually do that, I am so much more efficient. And yes, some of those things are very easily crossed off the list. Making breakfast, 
responding to that one email that you know is super important or I know that I have to reach out to Jonathan today to schedule something. And like you actually do those things. So you're not left at the end of the day with things hanging over your head. Like, oh, I didn't even contact Jonathan to schedule our thing because I was doing everything else. So I think that was good advice too. I don't even know who said that. The rolling nine. Do we have time for a couple more questions? Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. What is your morning routine? Well, I try to have a morning routine that stays the same because if there's anything I've learned from Ayurveda, from the Panchakarma that I did and the Ayurvedic lifestyle is that if you have a morning routine that stays pretty much the same, you're setting yourself up for a very grounded day. So versus waking up and not having a lot of time and making coffee, brushing your teeth and running out the door, that doesn't set up for a grounded day. That would be very vata in the Ayurvedic mindset, which is like the air sign, keeping you kind of really high off the ground, which can happen to me because I'm, I have a lot of vata in me. So what I try to do every morning, my alarm goes off. It's a very calming noise because I've learned that any type of like really loud alarm, like really puts me in a bad mood. I'm not a morning person. So I have to hear something like, light wind chimes waking me up at eight o'clock because I'm not that, I don't like to wake up super early. This is something else I've learned about myself. I like to kind of stay up late, sleep till eight-ish. Wind chimes go off. Um, First thing I do after cuddling with Hudson for a while, because he loves that morning time and it's so special. and, And I think like the energy of animals can be like super grounding. They're just such happy beings. Then I brush my teeth, wash my face. That's like non-negotiable because that's part of my, I'm trying to do the same thing every morning. So that I come out to this mat that I'm pointing at, this yoga mat right in front of my window, do a little bit of stretching, do a very short meditation, just like setting my intentions for the day. Breath work, very short, like 30 seconds, just like this is what it feels like to breathe into my body today. And then I make bulletproof coffee and I try not to check my phone for like 45 minutes. So that's my routine. What nice. is your routine? Um, yeah, I'm always interested like successful people, entrepreneurs, like what they do, like how do they wake up? What is their, uh, how does their morning start off? Um, and it's interesting because like, obviously if you have kids, like, you know, that can definitely throw off your morning routine. Yeah. Um, but, and I don't have kids. So, uh, my, my morning routine is, um, you know, I, I wake up, um, I kind of make my bed while I'm in it. If just like, I'm kind of like, do that? I'm kind of like just stretching and like ironing out my, like my bed. That while, is one efficient person. <laughs> I just do it because like, it feels good. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. anyways, um, I'll, I love those I'll, morning. I'll stretches. get out, I'll get out of bed. Um, you know, I'll either sit on the ground or lay on the ground. Um, I don't, I've tried it in my bed to do some kind of meditation process, but, um, it almost feels like I'm like just too comfortable. So, you, mm-hmm. so, uh, I'll, I'll hop out on the floor. I'll do anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes, depending on what's going on that day and what's going on in my mind, but just some meditation. Um, and we talked about like, what is meditation? Just finding yourself in like with free of thought, whatever comes to mind and trying to find a moment where you find peace. In, the, in that time. So um, I will do that for anywhere from five to 20 minutes. I'll go into the bathroom and shower. I brush my teeth in the shower, which JD makes fun of me. My roommate makes fun of me. 
A lot of people don't brush their teeth in the shower. I guess it's the efficient part of me. I, just, I think probably. I also just enjoy it. If anyone has ever done it, they know what I'm talking about. Um, I've done it. Well, I have an electric toothbrush too. And it's just, I don't know. Everything about it is enjoyable to me. That's um, so funny. I'm kind of obsessed with brushing my teeth also. That's a good thing um, to be obsessed with. Don't was, brush off your enamel. Can you do that? Yes. Oh. Over brushing. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. Um, but you and I were talking about this during, uh, during breakfast today, uh, Wim Hof breathing. So, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, about 15 seconds up to a minute, again, it could be two minutes. It's depending on how I feel for the day. I'll put the water on the coldest it could be. And, you know, the first time you do this, it's a very shocking thing to your nervous system. But, uh, you know, as you, uh, as you do it more, your body gets more used to the cold temperatures. And there's a lot of scientific benefits to what it does for your body. For me, it just gives me a lot more energy. Um, you know, if you can imagine jumping into a nice cold pool and then getting out, like you almost have this like childish, giddyish sense of like energy. It's like an adrenaline rush. Probably. I always think of like when, when I give my dog a bath, like when I take him out of the bath, he will run around the house like a madman. But uh, it gives you, it gives me this uh, um, increased sense of energy in the morning. And then uh, depending on the day lately, I haven't been drinking coffee, but I do love coffee. I'll either have a cup of coffee or uh, a glass of water with lemon juice, um, with lemon, um, or I've been doing for the last couple of days, just like maybe the last two or three days, a glass of water with turmeric just because I've heard there's a lot of tremendous benefits. Definitely. Um, I don't mind the taste. A lot of people mind it, but um, that just kind of sets my day, right? Um, and I haven't looked at my phone yet at all. Um, I think that that's the biggest thing is, and you want to, trust me. Yeah, you want to Especially if you posted an Instagram photo the night before and you're like, For oh my sure. God, how many likes did I get? Um, but, you know. Just resist the urge. Resisting the urge, um, you know, Taking what I did on the floor, uh, those 15 minutes maybe of, you know, self-thought um, and really figured out what those five or six things for the day that I'm going to do that are going to be impactful and everything else is secondary. If I don't get to that email, it's secondary. But what are the, you know, things that for that day that I could go to bed at the end of the day knowing I completed what I wanted to get done? Um, and then then I'll probably look at my phone and get into emails and be sucked into the rabbit hole. Yeah, but look how much time you had spent to yourself in the morning, which is when you connect with your creative mind, your creative thoughts, new ideas that you have. That was another great word of advice I got from Catherine Budig, who was on this podcast last week. Um, I read that she had said somewhere when she talked about taking a break from social media that when you don't look at your phone or you disconnect from technology, you can tap back into your own mind. So you wake up in the morning, you have all of your own thoughts. Maybe your mind is still spinning from a dream that you had. You're inspired. You're thinking about all these things that you can do either in your day or in your life. But the moment that you look at Instagram or a text message or an email, other people's ideas are coming into your head. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those can be inspiring too sometimes. But the more that you can spend time with your own thoughts more creative stuff you can come up with. Yeah, I think I owe Catherine an apology. I think it was her who said, be more gentle with Oh, yourself. you're right. She said, be gentle, but it sounds yeah. like something Kelly would say. Yeah. Kelly probably says that too, because she's like the queen of allowing herself to be gentle and all of that and taking care of herself. 
for sure. Oh, show. Well, I am so glad that we had Jonathan on the podcast because he is one of my best, best friends. He's just the coolest. He obviously has a lot of really great stuff to say and we barely scratched the surface. We could talk for days. Yeah, we could could probably do this for, for a while. For a long while. So we'll have Jonathan back for sure because there's other tips. I can already hear people saying, I want to know his tips for training for ultra marathons and marathons and everything else. Well, let me tell you that. (laughs) We'll have you back to say everything about everything. Thank you for having me. It was was awesome. You're awesome. You are. Um, I mean, you're the most genuine person I think I've ever met. Beautiful inside and out. You're the best. Do you have any last words? Um, just live an awesome life for 2017. Keep listening to Jordan because she definitely is someone that's so authentic and vulnerable and pure in everything that she does. And, um, you know, if, if it inspires you and, uh, and you could just tap into some of what she has, I think it'll enhance your life. So keep listening. And hopefully one day he'll have a podcast because he has a lot of good advice. Yeah. Hope to be back on here soon. Heck yeah. Thanks guys for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.